Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Revelation 5. There, uh, one of the first songs we sang had the phrase, uh, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Chad, if you could pull up that slide. Um, John, one of the apostles, uh, later on in his life, he was exiled on an island. He had a pretty powerful vision. He wrote it down. That's our book of Revelation. Uh, in Revelation 5, it reads like this. Then I saw in, at, in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp uh, and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures... And the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We sing these worship songs, and sometimes we can just get a little bit rote or a little bit methodical about it, and and we just, you know, the mind wanders. But this is dress rehearsal. This is practice for a future time when we will stand or kneel or bow down or whatever alongside every Christian who has ever lived in the history of humanity. And then there's some angels and creatures and other stuff going on that are going to be hanging out there too. And all of us will sing phrases like this, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. Some pretty powerful stuff that we get to uh, to prepare for. Um, one, uh, Steve, thank you for for doing the announcements. I would add one thing: um, if you do the the meal thing for Erland, you know he it appears that he had a partial stroke, and so he's lost some of the mobility in his left hand. So if you take him a meal, try to take him something that is one-handed. Um, you know, putting frozen things in and out of the oven is going to be difficult, right? E- like, even possible microwave. So, anyway, I don't even know how you do a one-handed meal. But, 
Um, maybe not a lot of chili dogs or something. I don't know. But uh, just something to be aware of. Look for a, a one-handed meal. Tuesday, November 3rd, we will vote. We will have an election on President of the United States. That president will bring with him a cabinet of about 20 people, 20 other positions. Uh, and each of those will likely bring in their preferred staff. And so really, I mean, you're, it's not just a person. Like, there's a whole city of people that are either staying or transitioning or moving in and out or that kind of thing. And here's my prediction on the election. Um, this is not prophecy. There were no angels involved. There were no dreams. There were no cool visions. There was nothing really kind of cool at all. This was me reading, learning, listening, reading newspaper articles and occasionally saying, yeah, I don't think so, and then other times saying, uh, I, th I think they're really on to something there. And it's really not even a prediction on who will win, uh, but more prediction on what will happen depending on who will win. So this, this is my prediction. You can take it for what it's worth. If, if Biden and Harris win... Uh, I think the, the country will, for the most part, carry on. Um, those who voted for Trump will be upset. But for the most part, just kind of put their heads down and go back to work, and some are going to pray for a new leader in four years. Probably some complaining online, uh, but not much for, like, riots and demonstrations. Like, I don't think anyone's going to burn Main Street uh, if, if Biden and Harris win. Um, and while there may not be immediate backlash, uh, I personally have some, some concerns about legal and political actions that in the long term will restrict religious freedoms and, and some of our other freedoms as well, too. Uh, and also, I think we'll see Wall Street uh, dip in value kind of in the short run. The, I think the more likely scenario, I think that if Trump and Pence win, uh, Wall Street will, uh, for the most part, stay strong. But I do think that it's much more likely that we will see more of the demonstration, the protests, some rioting, some looting, uh, some marches. But also I think we will see a big legal battle take place over the mail-in ballots. The uh, articles that I read, you know, I mean, uh, you know, mail-in ballots are, millions of mail-in ballots are being mailed out, especially in the battleground states. And so what I think will happen is that in these battleground states, the ballots will continue to come into the mail in the days and the weeks after the election. And so those states will say, hey, we've got another 250,000, we've got another million ballots, and that kind of thing. And again, the, the articles that, that I was reading were saying that in a lot of the battleground states, the top election officials and a lot of the lower courts um, tend, um, uh, tend to be more uh, Democrat, and so they're probably going to give clear passage for the additional votes. Um, and then a legal battle is going to uh, ensue, and really it's probably going to work its way up to the Supreme Court, and then ultimately the Supreme Court will pretty much decide the election. Um, well, uh, yeah, so um, the other thing, too, I think uh, in that scenario, I think uh, if Trump or Pence win, just to be prepared... I think we're also going to see a, I don't know if it's a small group or a large group, but there will be, definitely be a very vocal group that, of Christians who will take to social media and very aggressively blame other Christians for what has happened. So I think we're going to see a lot of stuff on social media blaming, you know, white evangelicals or, or that kind of thing, and, and you're going to see a lot of, 
uh, blaming there too. The, the legal battle is interesting because the, if, assuming that, that it does turn into a legal battle, my, uh, my guess is that the Trump team will push to, to end it quickly, really before, you know, because January 20, Inauguration Day, so they'll, they'll try to get it wrapped up before then. I'm not sure what, what the Biden-Harrison team will do, and I think it really has to do with who's in charge if no president's in place. So if, if, if the presidency is not confirmed, does power maintain with a previous president or vice president? In which case, I think Biden and Harris will also look to wrap up the legal battle really quickly. If not, if, if power does, does not go to the previous presidency, then, then when there's a situation of no president and no vice president, then power shifts to the House of Representatives, to the leader of the House of the Representatives, which is currently Nancy Pelosi. So you also may see a strategy where they look to drag out the legal process in the hopes of giving Nancy, or whoever the, the current leader is, presidential authority for a few weeks or a few months, and then kind of once again leverage that to, to kind of their political advantage. So both options kind of create some chaos, some concern. Uh, some more short-term, some more long-term, and hopefully I'm wrong at this, right? It's not often where I get up here and say, I really hope I'm wrong. But today, I really hope I'm wrong, right? I mean, hopefully we have a good and peaceful election, and God's choice, whoever that may be, God's choice gets elected, and everyone accepts that elections happen and that we have to live with this four years and everyone's cordial about it and everyone's accepting of the new president and the vice president and the cabinet and hopefully America makes decisions that honors God, whatever that looks like. Um, that said, uh, it, there may be some good wisdom in us just mentally and spiritually preparing for a bumpy few months. Would be kind of the the soft way to say it. <laughs> I'm sure that, that we have difference on politics. I mean, even in this room, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a fair bit of variance. But I do think that we can all agree that, that we want our political, as Christians, we want our political leaders to make decisions that honor God, that benefit the people, and allow for freedom of worship. I, I mean, I, I think as Christians, I think, think we can pretty well rally very generically um, around that point. And, and I would say that we, I mean, there are some political leaders that I have great, huge appreciation for, deep appreciation for. I, I think they are phenomenal men and women. I, I am deeply thankful for their service. Um, but at the same time, like, there's some political leaders where, like, I'm, like, just not impressed. Uh, my dad has a saying where if he's not impressed, he'll be like, well, that was a C minus, uh, C minus being bad. And, um, you know, so there's some political leaders where you're like, well, that decision or that comment, well, that was about a C minus. But sometimes I'm rational enough to think, though, you know what, that even if this particular person had not gotten elected, their constituency would have elected someone else just as bad, maybe even worse. Because it's really easy to point all the blame at the elected officials, and, and there is a, a large degree of responsibility that lands in their lap. But we live in a republic, and we elect our leaders. So if you don't like Trump, I mean, that's fine, but in the long term, it's the people who have to change because the people elected him. 
And if you didn't like Obama, in the long term, it's the people that have to change because it's the people that elected him. So really, our leaders are simply a reflection of where our country is at and where the people are at, because that's who we elected. Change in leadership works, but it's also temporary. You want true change? then the people or the the voters, the the constituency, they're the ones who have to change. And the only thing I believe that that actually changed the hearts of people long-term is a restored relationship with God through the salvation of Jesus Christ and continued discipleship in that path. And, and, And you may say I'm being too simplistic, but I am absolutely, absolutely convinced that in, in, if you're going to play the long game, if you want change in government, then thousands upon thousands of small local churches need to engage their local communities and help people love Jesus more. I would also say that all this needs to happen while we have a republic. I mean, once we sign over to some kind of neo-Marxist, neo-socialism party system, I like we're done for Right, and and I've I've thought about doing a sermon on that, but ha- kind of haven't felt the freedom to do so. But there, there's a strong kind of neo-Marxism worldview that that currently I, I think is the greatest lie that, that we're up against, and it's affecting worldview and society and our understanding of justice and our education system and ultimately uh, our government. So elections are coming up. I'm expecting a rough couple months, maybe a rough couple years. And I think we need to vote, and I think that we need to pray that God's will be done. But if we are committed to the long term, then the church needs to be the church. Because that's how things will actually change. And where do we start with that? We always start with Jesus. Uh, script, I mean, all of Scripture is about Jesus. What was his purpose? What was his agenda? There are about 15 to 20 verses that have a very clear statement about Jesus came to dot, dot, dot. And, and you, you can kind of group them under, under different categories. And I mean, some will say, you know, something about he came to destroy the, the works of the devil. And some will say he, he came not to abolish the law and, and fulfill the law. But, but really, if you look at them, the, the general theme within them is that Jesus was on a mission to reconcile as many people as possible back to God. That he came to die, he had to pay the debt penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. And I think it's worth pointing out, and I really got to emphasize this, and let me finish this before anyone gets too mad and walks out. The, the primary, the primary reason why Jesus came had nothing to do with social causes. Right? I mean, it was not to save the environment, it was not the, the poor and the rich, it was not equal rights, it was not free speech or first, second, eighth, ninth, tenth amendment. It's not about lives mattering or that kind of thing. The, the primary purpose was to offer reconciliation between us and God. First Timothy, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Luke 19, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Matthew 20, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. First John, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. John 1, behold the Lamb of the God who takes away the sins of the world. 
First Peter, he himself bore our sins in his body on his cross. Now that said, there are a lot of social causes that do flow out of the gospel. And it is incredibly important that we be engaged in them. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of loving your neighbor as yourself. And I would say that we need good Christians leading the way in biblically sound social causes. Absolutely. But the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is actually not to love people. Even just sounds weird to say. The greatest commandment is not to love people. The greatest commandment is to love God. The second greatest commandment is to love people. And when people or when churches invert those two or get that confused, then the enti- then really everything begins to lead go astray. If we get confused on why Jesus came, then we get everything else wrong. And so that is why we have to keep at the forefront, why did Jesus come? As Mennonite brethren, we believe that the purpose of the global church uh, can be summarized in, in, in two passages of Scripture— one that we have, that humanity has nicknamed the Great Commandment, and another one that we've nicknamed the Great Commission. Matthew 22, Teacher, what is the Great Commandment of the law? And he, Jesus, said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Great Commandment, Great Commission. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. And the the Greek scholars tell me that if you look at the verbiage on that, the core thing is make disciples, and really everything else is in support of an extension of the make disciples phrase. So we would believe that, that we can best understand the mission of Jesus in those two statements. To achieve that mission, Christ formed a organization, an institution. Some would say he formed a people group. We call it the church. The purpose of the church is to go to all corners of the globe and in those places fulfill the original mission of Jesus Christ and each church will customize their their methods, their, their, their techniques based on the people and the culture and the era in which they live. If you want the fancy terms, we start with our Christology, who is Christ. From our Christology flows our missiology, and that is the mission. And then from the missiology flows our ecclesiology, which is what is the church and how do we do church and what does church look like and that kind of thing. And so it's not so much that the church has a missions department, but rather the mission of God has a church. And so again, once we have that established, what does that practically and, and functionally look like for us, for, for Living Hope Church? How do we flesh that out here in, in Henderson, in York County? We have several great ministries that are restarting today, for which I'm very grateful. Small groups for the adults. Most of the small group meetings meet on Sunday morning. Some have met at other times of the week. But the, these are critical People need community, and people need friendship. Community and friendship can be celebrated in the large group, which is what we're doing here. It can be celebrated in this environment, but the truth of the matter is community and friendship are not built in this kind of environment. 
Community and friendship are built in the small groups. And so if you're not feeling connected, plug into a small group. Because that is where the community and the friendship is built. We celebrate it here, but we build it in the small groups. Uh, the Sunday school program is starting again for kids. So important. I am, I'm so grateful for the many of you serving and volunteering in this capacity. Kids need to learn the Bible stories. They, they need to learn about Jesus. They need the role models uh, of men and, and women who love Jesus. It is so important to give these kids a solid foundation of biblical teaching, biblical community. Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Wednesday Night Live started this week. More opportunity with, with community kids through that, but for the same reason, so valuable. Kids need the Bible stories. They need to learn more about Jesus. They need the role model of men and women who love Jesus. And again, so thankful and appreciative for those of you that volunteer with that. This fall, I, I think there are two things that can help us sharpen our focus a bit. First, I think it's time for us to reevaluate our vision statement. I, I think we can make it a little bit clearer. I, I think we can make it less burdensome. You know, several years ago, we came up with, with this vision statement. It was good. It covered all the things uh, that we wanted to do. We knew it wasn't perfect, and, and so we always kind of held it with, with an open hand. About two or three years ago, the team leaders went through a book called Simple Church by, by Thomas Rayner and Eric Geiger, uh, and it has bothered me ever since. They, uh, these two men did a lot of research, a lot of church consulting, and they began to notice patterns, and so they did more research and surveys to, to see if their assumptions were correct, and they found strong patterns. Like, very, very strong patterns. Like, deviations from this pattern were less than one-thousandths, which I guess if you're a statistician, like, that really gets you excited. God bless you. Vibrant churches, with almost without exception, started with a very simple vision statement. That simple vision statement was also the path of discipleship, and then they built a simple church structure around that vision statement. I mean, there's lots of other things. It's not a silver bullet. But they noticed that that was consistent. They worked with over 400 churches, compared churches to static churches, and simple churches with a simple growth process where the growth process was in the mission statement. They were growing and they were healthy. Complex churches were not. Uh, the example they gave, there was a church whose mission statement was love God, love people, serve the world. Greenhouse church that, that we support, pretty almost copy and paste, ran with it. We spent a few years actually coming up with our vision statement. It, it's good. It covers everything that we wanted to see happen, but it's not simple. It's not as simple as it could be. And it, it's not the path of the discipleship growth. There, there's, no, there's no journey in it. There's no path in it. It's just all these really big things we want to see happen. And, and I think actually what happens then is we feel overwhelmed by it rather than inspired by it. Eh, that's the reason. So anyways, the last couple of years, that inconvenient truth has been gnawing at me and I've just been working on that and researching and thinking and marker board -ing. Can marker board be a verb? Marker board -ing. Writing on my marker board. So I got an idea. We're not deciding anything today. I just want you to think about this, ruminate on it. Pray about it. Soak in it for a few weeks. Chad, you can go ahead and, and put that slide up.
but I think we can refine Sharp has spoken, the, the vision statement. Um, so what if we transition from grow disciples and multiply churches who glorify God and transform communities to uh, a version of explore faith, encounter Jesus, and engage the world? Explore faith is the pre-Christian part of the journey, and I really like that, that it's in there. All of us begin there, just as a reminder, I know for some of you it's been a while, but all of us began as some pre-Christian where we were exploring whether or not this, this was for us. Uh, some of us did as children, some of us as adults. How do we create space for people of all ages to explore faith in a pressure-free environment? I mean, Wednesday Night Live in many ways would fit that bill for the kids. We've run an alpha program uh, in the past for adults. Encounter Jesus is the phrase, we, so we've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. We're growing in maturity. There's a lot that would fit under there. And you could rephrase this, encounter Jesus, or love Jesus, or worship Jesus, or glorify Jesus. From a marketing standpoint, though, the three E-verbs are, are pretty handy to work with. We, we've used the lens of large group, small group, no group a lot. Maybe we stick with that. Maybe we shift to something else, like worship, prayer, teaching, don't know. Engage the world is the third phase. That's a part of the Christian living that becomes missional. We take what we have received, we offer it to others, just, you know, in the unique way that God has made us. Special events, mission trips, conversations where we raise the risk and talk about spiritual matters, block parties, getting to know your neighbor. Really, Wednesday night live for the kids is explore faith, but for the volunteers is engage the world. If, if you want a framework for it, that, that's how Wednesday night would fit in this. So that's the first thing for us to consider this fall. Thanks, Chad, you can take that down. The, the second thing I think it would be good for us to benefit from a, an emphasis on prayer. I mean, we believe that prayer changes things. In fact, we, we believe that deep changes don't really happen without prayer. So if we want things to change, we, we pray. For a long time, prayer confused me. Because I couldn't figure out, like, like, why we had to convince God to take an interest and get involved. I thought that's what prayer was. Like, somehow we have to, like, if you poke God with a stick enough, maybe he'll take an interest and do something about it. Not very technical terms, but you get the point. And then somewhere I heard a sentence that completely helped change my understanding. I don't remember where I heard it. But just this idea that prayer is not getting man's way in heaven. Prayer is getting God's way on earth. Prayer is not getting man's way, my way in heaven. Prayer is getting God's way on earth. So when we pray, we're not trying to convince God to do things our way. Rather, when we pray within the will of God, somehow that helps release God's will on earth. And, and that's a very weird phrase to say. We know that God is sovereign, that, that it is not dependent all on us, that, that God is all-powerful. And yet, when we teach our kids about Jesus, when, when we tell a neighbor about Jesus, when we pursue social justice, there is this sense that somehow we are helping to, to release God's will on earth. So if our actions can somehow help release God's will on earth, why is it such a stretch to think that our prayers can help release God's will on earth? 
Dean has initiated a prayer time on Wednesday night. Love it. Love it. I, I'm brainstorming on doing a five nights of prayer uh, push, like where, so like either uh, every uh, Tuesday or every Thursday, we open up the sanctuary from like four to seven, create a very uh, kind of prayerful atmosphere, encourage people to come in, um, and it's just kind of on your own, but just a space to pray. And then we either build up to the election or, or we build up to Harvest Missions Festival. Right now I'm actually leaning towards building up towards Harvest Missions Festival. I was thinking about it for myself, that this kind of in fall, I want to intentionally pray into four things. You need to come up with your own four things or three things or whatever. For me, I want to intentionally pray into four things. One is just a posture of repentance for our church and our nation. Two is missional living in Henderson. Three is, is how to raise children who can navigate a political and spiritual environment worse than this one. Because I, <laughs> that's going to happen. And fourth, just praying for our denomination, just that we would hold the course on, on true biblical teaching. I'd encourage you, identify three, four, or five things that you want to pray into. Methodology is of your choosing. I mean, is it with family over breakfast? Is it on your own? Do you put sticky notes in your vehicle? Is it something you pray with your spouse before you go to sleep? Do you have a prayer partner? You encourage one another. Maybe you just keep a tally and you just say, I'm going to pray about these things a hundred times or two hundred times or whatnot. And you just check out or make little marks or something like that. Lots of different ways. Elections are coming up. And it's important. It's important that we vote. It's important that we never take for granted that that is a privilege. But if we want to play the long game and not just deal in temporary solutions then two things. One, the church needs to be the church and live out the mission of Jesus Christ in our unique culture. And secondly, I, we need to pray into the things that God wants to have happen. A couple of instructions for uh, lunch. We're going to finish up here. I'll do a prayer. We will consider that the, the prayer for the meal. Um, actually, worship team, if, if you guys even want to come forward. Um, this is not kind of the. This is not a potluck. You are not expected to bring a casserole. You are all please stay. Uh, the meal was wonderfully prepared by people wearing masks and gloves and all kinds of, you know, protective things. And it's prepackaged in a in a container, so you go through and get your container. No one's sneezing on your casserole. No one's touching the bread and whatnot, okay? So it's all it's all very safe. We would encourage you to stay. Afterwards, we have a business meeting um, and invited to stay for, for that as as well, too. I'll review a few things and, uh, and have a few um, members need to vote on a few things, but invited to stay for that as well, too. I'm going to pray. Uh, then we will sing, and we I'm going to pray for lunch as well, too. We'll consider this a prayer lunch, so as soon as you get your prepackaged thing, you can go ahead and eat. Unless you want to wait for some other people to sit at your table, that, that'd be polite too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the gift of being able to elect our leaders. And Lord, we want to engage in that. We want to take responsibility for that and, and never take that for granted, Lord. But yet at the same time, we want to play the long game. And Lord, we believe that that involves the church being the church and helping as many people as possible be reconciled to you. 
And Lord, there's a lot of other great stuff that, that flows out of that when it comes to loving our neighbor as ourselves, and we want to be aggressively engaged in that as well. But Lord, we just, we say, Lord, that, that we're here for the long game. So Lord, we, uh, we do pray for our country that many decisions would be made that, that honor and glorify you. Lord, we pray for a, a renewed or revived interest or passion for prayer this fall. Understanding prayer, listening to you in prayer, praying your will, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for the opportunity to make an impact in our, in our community and amongst our friends. Lord, thank you for this meal. Thank you for the opportunity again to meet. Thank you for those that prepared it. We're very grateful. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.